Well, we are going through the book of Acts, and we'll look at this morning uh, specifically Stephen's speech in the book of Acts in chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, if you would turn there. Um, this is really a significant, it's not just the longest speech in the book of Acts or sermon in the book of Acts. It is uh, significant in the way that he answers the question from the religious leaders. And if you notice, as you read through this, never at one point is he interrupted and told to stop, like, because he answers the complaints that they have against him. But at the same time he's doing that, he's telling them who Jesus is, that God wants to dwell with them. Well, as we look at this, we need to understand that it doesn't, uh, this is not a, this is in the midst of the whole story of the Bible. And in the story of the Bible, the story is God pursuing a people in Christ to redeem them and transform them and to dwell with them forever. Uh, The Bible is also a story of people telling God that that won't work, whether it's by verbally them saying uh, no or by the way they live and act by rejecting that and saying there's got to be a different way, which in their mind would be much better. And so there's the story of God redeeming a people, and then there's a story of people rejecting that redemption and wanting to justify themselves before God. And this is what's happening in this with the religious leaders. Uh, Stephen, in this uh, speech, he talks about Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. He talks about the tabernacle. This is where God dwells within us. Uh, I plan my sermons, uh, just the text, about six months ahead of time. Um, I know, be impressed. Probably the only thing you'll ever be impressed in my life with. So I'm just going to ride that. <laughs> um, so here we are uh, with a tumultuous last few days in our country. And here we're going to look at Abraham, who God called and then sent him to another country as a refugee. And then Joseph, who God called and then sent him to another, another country as a slave and a foreigner. And then Moses in Egypt, it's not his country. This is the story of God pursuing the afflicted and the refugee and the broken and the hurt. This uh, story begins at the end of chapter 6 in Acts. Verse 53 says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the, of the free men uh, began to uh, rise up and dispute with him. And they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And so they secretly instigated men, um, and they said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And then later down further, it says, And the man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law, for they have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Uh, As we look more thoroughly in chapter 7 at this passage, we need also to see that Stephen, at no point in this, does he protect himself. Uh, He has to be aware that there is more and more opposition uh, against uh, the followers of Jesus. And as he is called before the religious leaders, he has to know at some point uh, this isn't going to end great. 
He knows that some of the apostles have been imprisoned. Some of them have been beaten. And it's escalating. But in nowhere in this does he seek self-protection. What he seeks to do the whole time is promote Jesus to people who really want to kill him. These religious leaders really vehemently oppose Jesus and any of the followers that he has. Stephen promotes Jesus, and much of our dysfunction as people is that we fit well in the opposition story of the Bible. The, if we're really honest, that is much more comfortable. It's much more comfortable to uh, think up a God and then uh, have that God that we've thought up just align with what we like. The story of the Bible is God aligning us up with Him and drawing us to Himself. And so we begin to love what He loves and are affectionate about what He is affectionate about. We promote our own story of self-interest, our own needs, our own comfort, our own ideals, instead of God is the one who provides, God is the one who is with people, and God is the one who tells us and calls us to move out and move toward people. We get more concerned about our own safety um, than we do about the advance of Christ. And what someone promotes says a lot about who that person is. Stephen is promoting Jesus over his own safety, over his own life, and he is more for the needs of his neighbors than his own. He is actually more for the needs of the religious leaders who hate him and are questioning him. Uh, as we look through this, you'll see that his, the, the care he has to use their words and their understanding of the Old Testament to explain to them how these people pointed to Jesus. The theme of Stephen's message is that God dwells with his people. God is present with his people. The religious leaders want to convince the people that it is Stephen who's really against God. That those in the religious party are those who really are for God, but Stephen is against him. And their charges against him are that he is against Moses, he's against God, he's against the holy place, and he's against the law. Stephen is not against Moses. God provides Moses so people could know God was for them. God is not against the holy place. God provided the holy place so people could know that God is with them. Stephen is not against the law of God. God provided the law so people could know what it means to walk with him. And he answers these in his speech. So let me read a section of uh, chapter 7. So this is Moses and then Joseph, or excuse me, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and then David, and the tabernacle. We read the first section about um, Abraham. And the high priest said, are these things so? Are you against all of these things? Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, go from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. And he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land to which you are now living. 
Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him. Though he had no child, God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years, but it will judge, or excuse me, but I will judge the nation that they serve. And God said, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. God calls Abraham and says, uh, you're mine. Here's the physical mark that you are mine. And this is for your children. And then he says, now go. God calls him and transforms him and sends him. And Abraham is a refugee. Even in a foreign land, even around new people, God's presence is not contained in a country or an area or even a tabernacle. God was with Abraham. The glory of God appeared to our father Abraham. And he said, go out from your land. God called Abraham and birthed a people to bless the nations. And so to go out and be sojourners in a land belonging to others is an uncomfortable calling. Your comfort now is not in your land or your place, but in the God who is with you. Your comfort is that God is with you. Your comfort is not in the neighborhood you live in, not in the schools your kids go to, not in your education or your career. Your comfort is to be in God is with you. Because the more we find comfort in those things, the more we will make decisions to protect those things. But if you and I can understand that our comfort is to be in, uh, that God dwells with us because the perfect work of Jesus, then we find true security and true rest. God is with you and God sends you. Uh, he gave uh, Abraham this sign of circumcision so that Abraham would know that he is God's in an intimate way. You are a marked people to bless others. This is who Abraham is called to be and this is who you are called to be also a marked people to be a blessing to others. And then we get to the story of Joseph. Stephen says, and the patriarch, jealous, or beginning of verse 9, jealous of Joseph, sold him into slavery, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction. And our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. Jacob went out into Egypt, and he died. 
he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem, laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. Uh, Joseph uh, sold into slavery uh, by the people that were closest to him. Sold into slavery, lived a life by receiving suffering from people, but Joseph understood that God was with him. Joseph lives a life of waiting, like many people in the Bible. And it's interesting, I think, as we read stories in the Bible, we skip over the years and years of silence that people had, that there was no direction from God. And so Joseph waited. He waited in prison when he was unjustly charged for something. But God was with him. God dwells with his people. And God dwells with you because of the work of Christ. Joseph, alone in a foreign land, a refugee sold into slavery, rejected by his own family. God raises him up and equips him to save a country, save the country where he resides as a refugee. God was with Joseph And the calling of God's people is to be with God and for the restoration of the broken. Just as God called Abraham and provided for him, God called Joseph and provided for him, God calls you and provides for you. But if you and I are holding on to things to find security in, like if Abraham is finding security in land, if Joseph is finding security in his looks, then he's not, they will not risk those things. As people of God, what holds us is that God dwells with us. This is where we get comfort and peace. This is the well that we draw from when we do move into a new country. Uh, when we do move toward people who are the afflicted and the broken and the refugees and the hurt, what gives us strength to do that? It's the reminder that this is how God moved toward us. This is what God did for us. So there's Abraham and Joseph, and then there's Moses. Moses is the longest section in here that Stephen talks about. Called to be a great leader of God's people, but he didn't even want to do it. Uh, God said, uh, I am the Lord God, and here's what I want you to do. And Moses responded with, uh, not me, I don't speak well. You better find someone else. God tells him. He says in uh, Exodus 3, it says, I am the Lord, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid and tried to politely tell God to find someone else. What does God do? God says, this is who I am. And then he says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And this is what he's calling Moses to do. I have seen the affliction of my people and their suffering, and I am coming to deliver them. And God is going to use Moses to do it. And Moses has no interest. Moses is ill-equipped in his own mind. And he is ill-equipped. Look what God is calling him to do. Obviously, He is not that talented to do it. But it is this wonderful thing to be able to trust in God, 
to see God do this great work, redeeming God's people from slavery. God is with his people, and God reaches to the afflicted and the suffering. And how does God do that? Because of, he uses Moses in Moses' struggle to be faithful. That's what he uses. He does not use Moses because he's perfect and has these great leadership skills. He uses Moses because that's who God desires to use. And this, it says that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. Moses was beautiful. He was ill-equipped physically to do this. But in God's eyes, Moses was beautiful. Moses was the person who would lead God's people out of slavery. God lifted up Moses and met him at the burning bush. God took the time to be present before a man who just wanted to run from God. And in Moses' life, it says, and now 40 years had passed before an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. Forty years. God is with you in your waiting. God is with you in your suffering. God is with you in your affliction. Because this is the story of the Bible. So what does it mean that God is with you? Verse 44, And our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness. They had the tabernacle. This is where God specifically dwelt with his people. God always dwells with his people through history, but this was the specific place that they would all gather. The tabernacle, God with us. It was made in a certain way. God told them, this is how you build this, and I will meet you there. God is uniquely present with his people in the tabernacle and then in Christ. God is uniquely present with us as we gather on Sunday morning. He's uniquely present in Christ. Because this is what unifies us. And this is God dwelling with us. Revelation 21 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This is the story of the Bible. God is with his people. So where do we find comfort? Where are we called to find comfort? Not in trying to justify ourselves. We find comfort that the God of creation is with you. He is our God and we are his people. God desires to dwell always with his people. You will not be hidden. You will be seen and you will be received as his own because the work of Jesus that Stephen is proclaiming. God was with Abraham. God was with Joseph. God was with Moses. God dwelt with his people in the tabernacle. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. God draws near to us most fully in Jesus. Abraham was called out of his own country. And what was familiar to be the father of a great nation. 
And this nation was to be a blessing to all nations. This, this nation was to be, to be a blessing to all nations and all people. A nation that blesses people that are not of them. Joseph was called out of a simple and somewhat comfortable life of uh, a shepherd and having brothers to a life of suffering at the hands of those he was closest to and the injustice of those who were jealous of him. And he chose the path of brokenness and not hatred for his family. And as a refugee slave, he saved a nation that was not his own. Moses was called after he murdered a man out of his own selfish anger and fled to escape his own sin, his life with the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was characterized by 40 years of silence. But God was with him. Moses confronted injustice, and God worked it out so his people were free. David was called to lead a nation, became more concerned about his own desire for pleasure, and chose to murder a man who got in his way. God was with David. Stephen's speech has a theme. God is with his people. God invites them. God dwells with them. God calls them to a life of faithfulness. God calls people out of themselves toward him, and the broken, and the afflicted. This is what it means to dwell with God. That God transforms you because of the great work of Jesus. That your sins are forgiven. Your identity has changed. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are beloved. With this, then you are sent. And you are sent to the afflicted, and the broken, and the refugee, and the poor and the angry, and the arrogant. That's who you and I are sent to. Because this is the work of redemption, that God pursues his people and transforms them. And God, out of his grace, he uses us for that work. He used Abraham, he used Joseph, he used Moses, and he will use you. But our struggle may be the work of loving the broken and the rejected. It could be in that category in your mind that you just struggle to love those who you feel like drain your energy. Um, and so that's something that we need to pray about and work through. But there's a deeper problem. And I think this is the majority of the problem is that we want to love and serve a different God. We want to love and serve a different God like the religious leaders did. They were okay with uh, Moses if you put him here. They were okay with God if you put him over there and the law and the temple. They were okay if you put them over here because they're not really going to be a big interference on what you desire. And you're not going to, your life is not, you're not going to be called to give of your life. And sadly, that's the God that we desire to serve sometimes because it's a misunderstanding of what he's really provided for us. And so there could be a level of it's just hard to love people. So true. So true. It is hard. But a deeper issue in your life might be that you'd rather serve a different 
God. And the first step toward understanding uh, redemption in this is repentance. It's just being able to admit, I want God to call me to something else. I want God to give me all the physical blessings that I really want. But what happens then is then we will fight for those things. And we will find comfort with those things. And we'll desire to dwell with riches rather than uh, having our identity changed and dwell with the eternal God forever. And so what is Steve, how does Stephen close this speech or sermon? Uh, I think very nicely, verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Because he's saying there's a serious problem. There's a serious problem. And the problem for us might be if we, feel, if we understand that God is transforming us and we begin to hate people, something is wrong. There is something wrong. When God calls us to transforms us, he always sends us. It, always in the Bible, when someone is called and transformed, they're sent. This is why at the end of our service, we have a benediction. It's not because I like to raise my hands. It's because we need to be reminded that God is sending us somewhere. That we just, are, we, we just experience something and learn something and walk through something, and now we're all sent. And so where are you sent? You're sent to your neighborhood. You're sent to your workplace. You're sent to wherever you have lunch. Whoever you rub shoulders with, that is where you're sent. And you're sent to extend grace and mercy to the afflicted and care for those around you. Stephen is calling this religious group to long for the real comfort of God and not in just in the signs of God. Uh, the, what Stephen is showing, what we see from this example in this passage is that he is not just proclaiming Jesus because he wants the, the crowd to hear. He's proclaiming the mercy in Jesus because he wants the religious leaders to hear. Because he's loving them more than he loves himself. Because I imagine by this moment, once you say to religious leaders, you stiff-necked people, you probably understand that you're going down. And that is exactly what happens to Stephen. And as they, as they were stoning Stephen, end of chapter 7, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had this, he fell asleep. He's saying... Don't hold this against them. He's saying to the people that are killing him, what he's saying is, Jesus, meet them. Dwell with them. Transform them. Don't hold this against them in a way that separates them from what they truly need. And this, we'll look at next week, this is actually where we see Saul enter the picture and later his conversion.
In the church, God uniquely dwells and makes his presence known, presence known in Christ. And with the presence of God, there is always a movement toward justice, always a movement toward reconciliation, always a movement toward renewal. This movement is for God's people to be with and for those who are the least of these. The mission of God is not just to welcome, but the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. As you and I begin and work and understand that uh, we dwell with God because we have Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we need to understand that the way God moves, which is toward the broken and the afflicted and the rejected, this is exactly where he's calling us to move. And move toward people and embrace them. Because the well that we draw from to do that is that we dwell with the God of creation. That you are welcomed and received because God is abundantly hospitable. And he embraces you and he calls you. And with that well of identity, then we move toward those who can hurt us. Because ultimately, like Stephen, Stephen promoted Jesus knowing at some point that was not going to end well for him, that he would die. But Stephen understood to dwell with God means that, you, that on the other side of the veil, you're with Jesus. God is a God who loves the refugee, the broken, the afflicted. God is the God who loves you. And he draws you to himself. And that's what we celebrate this morning when we come to the table of the Lord's Supper. We celebrate that uh, the work of Jesus was and is perfect. Let's pray as we come and receive of this meal this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are abundantly gracious, that you know our weak faith, you know how we desire to protect ourselves and so many things in our life. We ask that we would understand uh, the deep love that you have for us, that you pursue us, and with that, you would create an, an, a love and an affection to pursue the people around us with your grace and mercy. We pray as we receive this meal this morning that you would nourish us, that we'd be reminded that you hold us and that we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.